0: Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. I want to continue the message we started last week. Um, last week, we uh, did part five of our Speak Revival series. And uh, we started by looking at a story of a guy named Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus actually got sick. He died, and, uh, and Jesus was late in getting there. In fact, Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. They sent word to Jesus when Lazarus got sick, and they said, Jesus, would you come? You know, the, the one you love is sick, your dear friend. That's how they talked about Lazarus, because Lazarus and Jesus were that close. They were such close friends. They referred to Lazarus as, hey, Jesus, this is the guy that you love, this is your dear, dear friend. So Jesus kind of hangs out in the town. He's in for a couple extra days after he finds out Lazarus is sick. And, uh, and then he decides to go. And when he gets there, he discovers that Lazarus has already been dead for four days. And so there is a little, like some people think, you know, if Jesus would have left when, uh, when he found out about it, maybe Lazarus wouldn't have died. And that's exactly what... Martha says, uh, when Jesus shows up, Jesus has this conversation with Martha. Again, that's Lazarus's sister. Um, and he says, you know, he's like, I'm here. And she says, Jesus, it's this just raw, emotional moment. She looks at him and he says, Lord, Lord, if you would have only been here, my brother would not have died. And it's just this kind of gut wrenching emotion as she watched her, her loved one pass away. And, and now she's looking at Jesus and she's saying, if, if only you would have done what I asked you to do. We talked about how many of us have been there. We've been in those moments where, God, if you'd only do what we're asking you to do, I wouldn't have to go through this pain, this death. And so this kind of religious platitudinal uh, conversation takes place where Martha says, well, you know, I still believe in, that God will give you whatever you want and Jesus is like, you know, I, I'm, I'm here to, uh, you know, if you trust me and he says, I'm the resurrection and the life and we talked about that. We said, you know, maybe God didn't do what we asked him to do because he's trying to show us a deeper level of who he is, which is exactly what he does for Martha. If he had healed Lazarus, if he showed up When she called him, she would have never known him as the resurrection and the life. But because of this thing dying in her life, her brother dying, she sees a new part of God than she had ever seen before. And then Jesus asks her, he asks her, he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And we said, you know, Jesus is is challenging her and he challenged us last week to exchange our if only faith. For an if Jesus faith. And what what we meant by that was Jesus challenged her to to move from if only God would do what I'm asking him to do, I would believe in him. He says, no, 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 you need to switch that around and and be like, if Jesus is who he says he is, I trust in him. If Jesus is the son of God, if Jesus is the Messiah, if Jesus is the savior, if Jesus is the healer, then I'm going to trust him for my healing. And we said that's, that's what happens in that story. And so uh, Martha goes and gets her sister Mary... And uh, and Mary comes to talk to Jesus, and she says the exact same thing. She says, "If you'd have been here, my brother would not have died." And so Jesus is overwhelmed by the emotion and the moment, and he cries. John records the shortest verse in the Bible: Jesus wept. If you don't, if you've never memorized a verse in the Bible, there you go. Memorize that one: Jesus wept, and you're good. You're like, I can quote that when I'm in a bi- in a battle. Well, Jesus wept, and I'm weeping too, so I'm with Jesus. All right. Anyway, so so Jesus is crying, and he says he says, "Take me to the." Tune. I want. I want to see where you laid him down. And so they take Jesus, and that's where we pick up the story today. This is like a Paul Harvey episode. The rest of the story. Anybody listen to Paul Harvey as a, as a, you know, growing up or something? I loved Paul Harvey, man. That was awesome. Like you get this little tidbit, and then he's like, and now the rest of the story. And his voice is just. Radio gold, you know, it's like awesome. You get It's so distinguished. It's like Casey Kasem. You know exactly who it is as soon as you hear it, right? All right, here we go. John chapter 11, verse 38. Let's pick up the story um, right here. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance, which is what most grave sites looked like in that part of the world at that time. It was basically just a cave with a big rock rolled out in front of it. Uh, to kind of block the entrance or or maybe it was hewn out of a mountain and then they just like covered it up with some stones. And so that's exactly where Lazarus is laying. And then look at this verse 39. Look what Jesus says. He shows up. At the, he shows up at the grave. He shows up at the, 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 the cave and he says, take away the stone. Take away. Roll the stone away. Take, take, take away the stone. But then but then Martha says, but Lord. By this time, there's a bad odor, for he has been dead, for he has been there four days. And I've been thinking about that. Here here, Here Martha stands, minutes away from a miracle, minutes away from resurrection, minutes away from receiving her brother back to life, and yet she is concerned with the odor that might come out of the cave. Think about that for a second. Think about that and how that applies to our life. How many of us are are right at the cusp of God doing something miraculous in our lives, but we're afraid to obey what he said because we're nervous about the smell that will be exposed when we roll away the stone in our life. When When we open up and give God access to that dead place in our lives, Sometimes we're right at the edge of God doing something miraculous, but we're afraid that if we expose the, the dirtiness inside, if we expose the pain that's inside, if we expose the weakness, then then everybody's going to find out we're not perfect. That's right. Amen. Now, I struggle with that. Like, I am one of the most walled people that you're probably ever going to meet. I've got them high, I've got them thick, and I've got them tall, you know? Like, you, 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 do, you think you get in, but you only kind of get past the first layer. I've got more back there. And so I, I know that feeling of, of fear that overwhelms you when you think their people are going to see the real you. And if they see the real you, they're going to reject you. They're not, going to, you, they're not going to want to be your friend or, or, or uh, they're, they're, they're going to kick you out of the circle because, because you don't have it all together. Or, or even, you know, sometimes we come to God like that. Like we're afraid that God's not going to accept us because we, are, we have issues, right? Like I got issues. And yet God is saying, okay, the first step, we've got to get rid of the stuff we gotta, we gotta get rid of the wall. We gotta get rid of the, of the facade. We've gotta get rid of the barrier. And sometimes we refuse to roll away the stone because we're afraid people find out that maybe we're not all that we crack. We, 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 uh, we act and pretend that we are. And so God, God comes into our lives and He says, He says, got to roll away the stone." And what I've discovered as a pastor. Is that in most of the problems of my life there is a common denominator? And it's me. <laughs> I am the number one problem in my life. You know what I mean? Like, like sometimes we want to we want to 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 throw shade at the devil and, and blame him and be like, well, you know, this is going and and what I've discovered most of the time, if I'm really honest, I'm the problem. There's, there's something going on in my heart. This is what Paul says. He says, this is why you have quarrels and conflicts among you, because there's a desire that you have that you're not getting. And what I've discovered, most of the conflict in my life results from I'm not getting something I want. And what God says when he comes into our lives to do resurrection work, is he says, the first step is you've got to roll away that stone. You've got to expose that you got to get that out into the open. And I know it might smell bad. And I know it might stink. I mean, Lazarus has been laying in the hot Middle Eastern sun for the last four days. And those of you who have served in the Navy or another military branch and you spent time in the Middle East, you know how hot it can get. Lazarus has been there for four days in that heat. He's going to stink if he's dead. Jesus says, Roll it away. Martha's like, you don't understand. It's going to smell bad. And look what Jesus says. Verse 40, Jesus says, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. And here, if you don't remember anything else that I say today, this is kind of one thought that I hope you walk away with. And it's this right here. It'll actually be on the screen behind me. It says this, only God has the power to raise the dead, but he expects us to roll away the stone. Only God can do the miraculous in your life. There are things that need to be healed on the inside of you that only God can do. There are issues that you have. There are physical uh, abnormalities. There are there are um, uh, things going on in your mind. There are there are problems going on in your relationships and your in your marriages at your at your job. There are things in your life that only God can take care of, but He expects you to roll away the stone. He expects you to open it up. Why? Why? Why is it that we have to roll away the stone? Because, like we said a couple weeks ago, God's not after perfection; He's after participation. Yes. And it's listen to this: it's our participation that brings perfection. Amen. That's what we don't understand. We think that we think that we've got to come to God perfect and then participate. But it's actually our participation in the plan of God that brings perfection in our lives. We only become who God wants us to be as we obey what God says to do. As we take that step, perfection works in our lives. As we take that step, as we roll away that stone, God does a little bit more on the inside and it starts to grow on the outside. And eventually we are not who we used to be. We are who God has created us to be because we chose to participate rather than try to give off an air of perfection. God is the only one who can take care of some of the issues in your life, but you got to roll away the stone. You got to expose that. You see, rolling away the stone is an act of faith. Rolling away the stone is a is a statement of trust. God, I trust you with this. So I'm going to roll away the stone. I believe that you are the resurrection and the life. So I'm going to expose this Deadness, this, this area of weakness, this area of sin, this area of frustration, this area of conflict in my life. I'm going to expose that to you. I'm going to give you access to that because I believe you are who you say you are. Hallelujah. You see what I'm saying? Rolling away the stone is an act of faith. Yes. It's a declaration that I trust you more than the fear inside of me. That I trust you. And so because I trust you, I'm not going to listen to the voices that are trying to keep me secluded and keep me walled up. And then look what happens. Verse 42. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. That they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And he used Lazarus' name because if he had just said come out, then like people would have been busting out of the grave all over the place. Like, what life just said come out? Okay. And so people would have like been erupting out of the grave because, because resurrection spoke life, and so life it is. But uh, so he names Lazarus specifically. Lazarus. And you know what that you know what I think that means? I think that means there are some things in your life that are dead that you've been praying that God would resurrect, and God's saying that thing needs to stay dead. I'm the one who took that out. I'm the one who put that in the grave. I'm not asking you to roll that stone away. You need to let that die. There are some relationships in our lives and some people who are not helping us grow closer to Jesus that that relationship has been broken and you've been grieving for that for months and asking God, God, can you please get... And God said, what are you talking about? I killed it. (laughs) Well, you want me to raise that thing back from there? Listen, I know what I'm talking about. When I was in college, uh, my first two weeks of college, I was hanging around this group of people and I got to the point where I felt bad about myself. Like literally, they were so negative and cutting and, and, and insulting that every time I got around them, I noticed that my own self-esteem and my own self-identity took a nosedive. And I said, God, I can't I can't do this. God, what is going on? I, I feel horrible. I said, God, you got you to gotta do something about this. I mean, I, I, I wasn't that, uh, I'm still not that conflict friendly, but at that time I was even less so. So I didn't have it in me to just be like, dude, I'm not hanging out with y'all anymore because y'all are negative and I'm, I need to get out of this. And so I prayed, I said, God, you got you to gotta get me out of this. And I watched as God orchestrated our schedules and I went this way and they went that way. And I, and I thought, man, I'm, I really miss hanging out with my friends, but I feel so much better. And God said, yeah, I killed it. You ask me, I did it. Don't go back to it. Some of y'all are trying to get God to raise things that don't need to be raised. So Jesus speaks the thing. Jesus speaks the specific thing into your life that he's going to resurrect. So you need to hear what he's saying. So Jesus says, or John says, the dead man came out. Lazarus comes out. But check this out. This is good right here. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So so Lazarus comes out of the cave all bandaged up and wrapped up, right? Because when you've been dead and God speaks life into you, sometimes you don't come out on the other side looking pretty. Sometimes you don't come out of the other side all prim and proper. Sometimes you come out on the other side beaten up and bruised up and banged up, but you come out on the other side. That's the point about Lazarus. You might have battle scars. You might come out of that thing like Jacob and walking with a limp because you wrestled with God all night long. But if you will open up the, the you'll roll away the stone, there's a pretty good chance God will speak life into your deadness. And it might not look pretty on the other side. You might have a little bit of smell, but you're gonna come out. You're going to to come out on the other side. And I know you're going through stuff right now. And I know it seems like God has abandoned you and it seems like he's forgot about you, but he didn't. And I know it seems like God has left you all alone, but he hasn't. And I know you feel like you're out here on your own and you're not. God will take the very thing God has a way of taking the very thing that the devil wanted to use to destroy the foundation of your life, flip it, and use it to bring you into the place he promised. Think about this. Think about this from Martha's perspective. This was the worst thing that could have happened to her, her brother dying. And and, and the story could have gone that that the enemy used the death of Martha's brother to destroy her faith. And crush her under the weight of her the death of her brother. But God steps in and flips it. And uses the death of her brother to strengthen her faith. Only God can do something like that. Only God can do the thing where he takes the tragedy in your life. The thing that causes you pain and keeps you awake at night. It causes you to have nightmares. Only God can take that thing, flip it around, speak life into it, and bring you into a place of promise. It's only God's stuff right there. Like that's God territory. And it all starts by you rolling away the stone. Yes. Yes. That's your first step of obedience is to roll away the stone. God, I give you access to this darkness in me. God, I give you access to this death in me. God, I give you access to this uh, to, to the inner chamber of my heart. I give you access. I'm going to go ahead, y'all, y'all go ahead and come back up. We're actually going to go into another time of worship. Before we do that, I want to, I want to go back to where this whole series started, right? Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, we said this in the very first week. Uh, if, you didn't, if you didn't catch it, uh, I think it's on Facebook Live. We had to do a Facebook Live for it. Um, Isaiah says, he offers this invitation. God offers this invitation in Isaiah 55 verse 1, and he says, Come, all you who are thirsty come to the waters. All you who have no money, come buy and eat. God gives this invitation. If, if Is anyone experiencing death? Is there anyone experiencing thirst? Is there anyone experiencing lack? Won't you come to me, God says. He gives us this invitation, but then he, he what, what begins as an invitation uh, moves into this prophetic announcement. And I don't, I don't think I've ever in my life felt like God was speaking a a prophetic word into a community as strongly as I believe he's speaking the next two verses that I'm going to read to you Into hours. I've been waiting for two months to share this. And I said, God, when am I going to share it? He says, you'll share it when I tell you to share it. I said, okay. And this week, I just felt like he said, this is the end of the series. You're getting ready to go into Christmas. And in fact, you're getting ready to go into a new year. Now's the time. Share this now. And so what I want to share with you over the next couple of minutes is what I believe God is speaking to our church right now. Isaiah 55 verse 20 he gives us this invitation. Come to me, all of you who are thirsty. And then we go to the end of the chapter, verses 12 and 13. Look what he says. Actually, it's going to be on the screen behind me. He says, you will go out in joy. Because you will come out. Some of the things that you've been going through, you are going to come out just like Lazarus did. God is going to speak revival into your life and you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. Your mind has been racking your peace for so long. Fear and anxiety have attacked you for so long. And God says to you and to our church right now, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And then look at this. He says the mountains and the, and the hills will burst into song before you. And the trees of the field will clap their hands. When you go out, when you come out on the other side, when you step out of the cave because you rolled away the stone, it will be like the presence of God is surrounding you and there's nothing but worship all around you. God says it's it's going to be like, you know, you know, mountains and and hills. Sometimes those are things that work against us and God says the thing that used to work against you is about to turn in your favor and work for you. And then he says this. This is this is this is the thing that I've been I've been I've been sitting on for for, for what? A couple of 3 months now, verse 13. Instead of the thorn bush, will grow the juniper. And instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. For the last five, six years, I've shared this with Pastor I've shared this with a couple of our leaders in the church for the past five or six years. It's felt like it's felt like everything that we're sowing into our church has just been coming back, thorn bushes and briars. And I believe God's saying right now, this is the time. This is the shift. This is the time when it's changing. Because instead of thorn bushes, you're about to grow junipers. Instead of briars, you're about to grow myrtles. And I know right now that doesn't make any sense to you because you don't know what junipers and, and, and myrtles are. I didn't either. I didn't either. And I'm like, God, what are you saying? I don't understand this. I feel like the words have leapt off of the page. And like I've heard you speak them just clear as day. And I don't know what they mean. And so I started researching. And I started thinking, you know, like thorn bushes are kind of low. And trees are big. So God is saying, I want you to grow big. And I looked, and junipers don't grow that big. <laughs> they don't grow that tall. I said, well, gosh, I'm wrong. Maybe I'm off. And the guy says, no, no, you need to to find out what a juniper does. I discovered that a juniper is actually not a juniper. It's called a white broom. And And in the Middle Eastern culture, these trees would grow. And they would grow 12, 15 feet tall. But it's not the height that made them special. It was the width. The juniper tree will grow branches so wide that in the in the in the heat of the day people will find rest under the shadow of the branches. It's the same tree that Elijah uh, Elijah slept under when he was running on for after Mount Carmel. He he falls asleep under a broom tree because it's under a broom tree that you get protection from the storm. It's under a broom tree that you find shade from the scorching heat and God says, "You can't find shade in a thorn bush." He said, son, what I'm about to do in the church is I'm about to create an environment where people who are tired and weary and burned out on religion can come and find rest for their souls. He says, I'm about to make you wide. I'm about to make your branches spread out so people can find rest rest because they're so tired from trying to make religion work they're so tired from trying to do more and do better and try harder and get it right and i'm about to transform and shift the atmosphere in your church to a place where people can can rest jesus said come all you who are weary and heavy laden and you will find rest for your souls eugene peterson translates it translates it this way he says come all of you who are tired and burned out on religion and I feel like God is saying I'm about to I'm about to take your thorn bushes and I'm about to turn them into junipers. You can't I have I've been you know what thorn bushes and, and briars are? It's a thicket. <laughs> you can't sleep in a thicket. You can't find rest in a thicket. God says I'm about to take all of that work and I'm about to turn it. And you know what a myrtle is? I didn't know what a myrtle was either. But a myrtle, a myrtle puts forth this white white flower. This, this bloom that is so fragrant, people say that it's more exquisite than the finest robes. God says I'm about to transform the atmosphere of Vertical Church and the aroma is going to rise up to me as a, as a pleasing uh, sacrifice of praise. And it's going to smell so sweet that people from far and wide will be attracted to your smell. <laughs> because you come out of the grave and you thought you stank, but the smell that you smell is actually the presence of God on your life. It doesn't stink. It smells good. Come on. And people are about to, that smells good. I like that. And I said, God, why do you want to do this? And he said, this will be for the Lord's renown. I said, oh, <laughs> well, there you go. You found a church that doesn't care who gets the credit. You found a people that says, we don't care. We don't care who gets the credit. We don't care who gets the stage. We don't care who gets the platform as long as God gets the glory. And he said, you're right. (laughs) I found a church. I'm looking for churches all over the world for people who say, we don't care who gets what and who's who's who's, who's standing where as long as God gets the glory. Think that's what God, not only do I think that's what God's going to do in our church, I believe that's what God's going to do in your life. I think He's going to make a transition, He's going to make an exchange. Thorn bushes for junipers, briars for myrtles. What's before you is greater than what's behind you. That's what I believe God's saying to us right now. What's in front of you is greater than what you're leaving what's before you is greater than what's behind you. But everybody in the whole auditorium just stand up. Worship team's going to lead us into this chorus and then one more song and then we'll be dismissed this morning. Go have a happy Thanksgiving. But God wants to make an exchange in your life today. And as you invite the Holy Spirit to come into your life and, and you Yield to His work. You, you surrender. You can't, you can't receive from God until you surrender to God. you got to roll away the stone and say, God, come on in. I give you all that I am. Make that exchange with Him this morning. Holy Spirit, You are welcome here. Holy Spirit, You are welcome here. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.